neither the time nor the space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the unsinkable Matt. Hello there. So, today, we are discussing uh, Voyage of the Damned. We are. Yeah. But before we get there, yeah, I just want to address something. Okay. Okay. Since last episode, we had some correspondence. Oh, did we? We did. Um, a listener, friend of a show, Tim Riley sent a message saying, David was right to rank Family of Blood over Blink. Oh! So, can I just take this opportunity to say a big f*** you to Tim Riley? (laughs) Get your priorities straight. You know we want more listeners for this show, right? We don't want listeners like that. (laughs) Get your priorities in order. Tim, you, you can message me anytime. We, well, I'm more than happy to talk family blood to anyone anytime. Um, Matt is sorely mistaken as he is on most things, Tim, Doctor Who. Tim isn't allowed to listen to this anymore. <laughs> he's banned for life. All right, so. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Voyage of the Damned. Yep. Uh, the 2007 Seven. Christmas special. Yep. So, usual Christmas day for you, spent doing anything other than watching Doctor Who, I imagine? Yeah, I, w- I would have finished uni, I'd have been yeah. working, I'd probably been nursing a pretty bad hangover. This was when I'd like finished uni, got my first proper job, paychecks. Yeah, and you wouldn't have been thinking, I don't know, Boxing Day morning, Doctor Who Christmas special, perfect hangover cure? No, not on that. No, no. So, we, they, they went big with this one. Before we go into detail, never we mind need to big. Talk. They went long. It was over yeah, an hour. Exactly. This is like this is basically them attempting almost to do a Hollywood movie on a Doctor Who budget, isn't it? It's it is extravagant uh, in in more ways than one. Mm. But my question to you, Matt, is it a good episode? I don't really know. It it's very okay. It is, isn't it? It's like extremely okay. <laughs> yeah, like. I don't think there's any outstanding good bits. Are there a couple out- of characters. That I don't think there's any moment. massive flaws with it. There's one particular moment that makes me want to bash my head in with a crowbar, but other than that, it's mostly fine. In fact, the, the only issue I maybe have with this is the amount of body shaming in this episode. There is a lot, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. And... It's a bit needless. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's. I think we'll, we'll dig into that more when it comes up in yeah. the episode. But there, there is certainly stuff to talk about there. Now, I think we need to address the one of the 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 elephants in the room. Well, not it's not really an elephant in the room, but one of the big things, obviously, that was much touted by the BBC in the run up to this story is, of course, the casting. Mm. Um, did you expect to see Kylie Minogue's I name no. on screen no. in the title no. sequence? No, not at all. Yeah, how did you feel when that happened? Um, <laughs> whatever. In for a penny, in for a pound. It's not the weirdest <laughs> thing we've seen in Doctor Who, is it? It's pretty odd, though, isn't it? Yeah, but like... I mean, I know she got to start doing like soap acting and stuff, but... Have you ever seen Street Fighter the movie? No, I haven't. Oh, she's in that. Oh, is she? Yeah, versus Jean-Claude Van Damme. Is she any well, better they're in... Well, they're friends in it. They're not nurses. Is she any better in it? Than she is in this because she, she won an think, Oscar. That doesn't seem likely. Yeah, for Street Fighter the movie, she won <laughs> best film ever. 
<laughs> her as a, not not the film, but her as an individual one best film. Yeah, yeah. For for Street Fight. Yeah, yeah. Because the thing is, no offense to Kylie Minogue or, or her fans. I mean, I'm, I'll be honest. Not I could I couldn't give a toss about her music. Have you not got a favorite Kylie song? I, I don't know because I don't I don't really do pop music. I think Hand on Your Heart. That's a good song. Never, I don't think I could even recognize it if you played it to me. Uh, I'm not going to sing it and edit it in like yeah. I did when I sang. I, I genuinely don't think I could name a single Kylie Minogue song. Come on. I, I don't. Honestly. Is it the locomotion? Oh, is that her? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I, I mean, I, I, I know that song. But Especially I didn't know it was by you? Kylie Minogue. With Jason Donovan? No. That rings no bells. But anyway, so like I say, I, I, she basically... She's a name I'm aware of. I know that she's famous and, you know, a big pop star and stuff, but she means nothing to me outside. When people say Kylie Minogue, the first thing I think of is Astrid. Yes. And it's a shame because I think, one, she's not a brilliantly written character, and two, she's quite bad at it. Yeah. I think she is one of the weak links in this story, if I'm, if I'm honest. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, th- this is kind of the closest I think the, doc- the Doctor Who's ever gotten to stunt casting, which is a bit of a shame. But So, should we just jump in? Yeah, why not? So, we start with the end of the last episode, Yeah, and the end of that little episode yeah. that you showed me. Time Crash, That's which, the which we both enjoyed an equal amount. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... All the problems, like the Titanic crashes into the tires, yeah. but it doesn't matter because the Doctor just immediately fixes it. Yeah, of course, because there's a Doctor Who cliffhanger. You've got to get it out of the way in the first ten seconds. Like, do you think the Doctor ever gets bored? Like, <laughs> do you think he goes, like, base jumping just to feel alive? <laughs> Possibly at this point. I mean, he doesn't really have to, does he? You know, it's one thing after another for him. Yeah, but he just knows it's going to be all right. Yeah. Ship drives into the side of your house. Don't matter. Just the button. Just, yeah, just to, to wind the undo crank. Yeah. Anyway. So he beams aboard the Titanic. Yeah. And it's filled with aliens and robots. It is. That's not normal for the Titanic, is it? No. But then the Doctor looks out the window and it's not the Titanic. It's a Titanic. It's a Titanic. <laughs> yeah. Which is also a spaceship. <laughs> yeah. And then, at this point, is there a new theme tune? I think uh, Murray Gold has zhuzhed it up a bit. Yeah, it seems it's a, a bit, bit like heavier. Yeah, there's someone hammering on a piano at the end. Mm. It's all right. I don't love any of the Murray Gold interpretations of the theme for this one. He is a very maximalist composer. Right. He he kind of just piles it all in, and sometimes it works out for him, and sometimes I think it's a bit much. So post that. We then see the bridge of the ship. Yeah. Uh, and we're introduced to Frame. Oh, yes. Midshipman Frame. Played by Russell Tovey. Yes. Who I recognise from hundreds of TV shows. Yes. I don't think he's the main character in any of them. No, he's just a he's, well, he's a character actor, isn't he? He's, he's really likeable as well. I like yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, no. He's, he's, I, he's a good Again, I've presence. never seen him like, I don't know, have I? Maybe seen him in the lead in anything. Yeah. Whatever he's in, he's... He's one of the he's one of the leads in uh, a Russell T Davies series that was on quite recently that I watched the first episode of and needed to have a bit of a break after because the ending was so bleak. Really, uh, it's called Years and Years. Oh, I, I've heard yeah, of it. Yeah, it's I mean it's bloody good that if that first episode is anything to go by, but afterwards, so, you know, so having just tucked in. Uh, 
little Diagoras for the night. Um, uh, and then I was like, okay, I've got like my one hour to myself before I need to go up to bed. Let's watch. Let's watch the first episode of this Russell T Davis uh, drama that I've been hearing good things about. And by the end of it, I was a wreck. I was yeah. just like, okay then. And I think maybe, I I think having become a father, I have an even lower threshold for bleakness. Right. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah. And Russell Toby's very good in that as well. Anyway, but yeah. So, so. on the bridge, the captain's dismissed all the staff. Captain, did you recognise the uh, actor playing him? I did, but I couldn't put my finger on it. Jeffrey Palmer, right? who is, uh, again, a, a, a uh, long-standing character actor. He's appeared in various sitcoms and things over the years. Um, and also uh, two previous Doctor Who credits to his name. Oh, really? He was previously in uh, The Mutants, and before that, uh, a little story called Doctor Who and the Silurians, which we've talked about before, but mm. it's official title. Is Doctor Who with the Silurians. Keeps coming back for more. He's a glutton yeah. for punishment. He is. I think it's just a reflection of the fact that Britain only has about 12 <laughs> actors. <laughs> so he dismisses the staff, but Frame won't leave. He says the bridge has to be manned by two people. Yeah, he's, and he's a sort of wet behind the ears, new recruit. This is his first trip out, yeah. so he's going to do it by the book. And... Then the Doctor finds out the planet that the Titanic's from is Planet Stowe. Mm -hmm. And then the Titanic has these robot hosts, they're called, that you can ask for information. And yes. They're like almost like servant robots. They are. Yeah, and like, they'll relay information to you. Yeah, they're basically like big golden series. Yeah. With, yeah, that's a good um, way of putting With it. halos. They're all malfunctioning. Yeah. Sorry. Uh... Kylie Minogue's introduced at this point as Astrid, just a serving girl. And the Doctor speaks to some people that won tickets in a competition to come on board. Yeah. And everyone's really mean to them. Yeah, yeah. It's um, So they're the, the Van Hoffs. Mm -hmm. And they're there in fancy dress because someone told them as a prank that it was fancy dress that evening. So they're wearing that sort of sparkly cowboy type yeah like bright clothes. purple yeah. sequins yeah yeah but you know, it's it's one of those things it's like the, one of the not subtle themes of this episode is is class yes um yeah. and they're obviously the the archetypal working class people who've you know for whatever reason found themselves in this sort of upper crust type situation and they're just being mocked or not fitting in, basically. But, as well as class, there is the undertone that everyone laughs at them because they're fat. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, because uh, they, they, they are both, they, they are both uh, sizable people. Yes. Um, but, and I never know quite how to feel about this um, because we've seen a bit of fat shaming previously in uh, an RTD story, namely World War Three and Agents of London with the uh, Sladeen. And so it feels like he's always having his cake and eating it. Mm. Like he's portraying them sympathetically, but, but also... highlighting the issue. Yeah, they're still sat there, you know, shoveling down buffalo wings and, uh, mm. 
you know, things like that. So it's like, eh, it doesn't quite sit right with me. The so it's announced at this point that some people on the Titanic have shore leave. And they're going to go down to Earth on Christmas Day. Yeah. And the Doctor uses the psychic paper to take Astrid. And this is where we're introduced to Banner Cafalata. Banner Cafalata. Yes. Yes. A little red alien man. Yeah. Played by a chap called Ginny V. Right. Who you may know better as the Boxer Balhoon. No. Yeah. Same, Same guy. Yeah. Oh. Also, I didn't realise this because I was looking at Why do they always paint him really bright colours? I don't know. That, well, I mean, it's because he's a little person and so they, he's a good option for playing the weird little alien characters. Uh, but I was looking this up. I, I knew that he played Mops of Balhoon and Banner Cafalata. What I didn't know was he also played the space pig in Aliens of London. Oh. So... He's like a greatest hits. He is. A living greatest hits. <laughs> He's an amazing guy. So, uh, yeah, hats off to him. Um, so, yeah, um, the Doctor's getting treating Astrid to this night shortly because, you know, they've had this little sort of moment of meeting each other where he's like, don't tell anyone, I'm a stowaway. Mm. And she's like, oh, you know, I, I came here to see the stars, but I never get to see... You know, it's it's so... Like, I don't know whether... I, I'm sure Russell T. Davis knows that he's playing on these hackneyed tropes here. And of You know, you we know, said at the end of Series 3, yeah. all we want is just a romance-free companion. Yeah, and we just don't get it here. We're treading yeah. the same ground. So, the Doctor's worried. Nobody's out shopping. It's Christmas Eve. Yeah. It should be late night shopping. Yeah. No one's around. But an old man tells the Doctor everyone evacuates London at Christmas because of Christmas Invasion and Runaway Bride. There's going to be a lot of this because being a Christmas special, there's all kinds of interesting casting mm. stuff to talk about here. Did you recognise the bloke playing the newspaper uh, vendor? It's Bernard Cribbins. It's Bernard Cribbins. Yeah. I, is it too much to say national treasure? I don't think so. But he's a delightful fella. He's He deserves better. Like, he's just a real bit part. It is. It's blinking. You miss it, and it's a shame. He does deserve better. You're right. Um, but but I mean, to be fair, he's had his moment in the sun when it comes to Doctor Who already, um, because he was uh, one of the, he was basically in the Ian Chesterton style part uh, in the second of the two Peter Cushing non canonical Doctor Who feature films. Right. He was basically the dashing young leading man in Dalek's Invasion of Earth. Uh, which was good? well have I talked much about the Peter Cushing movies on this podcast no. they were my introduction to Doctor Who there were two films that were released um, it was before even the second Doctor had been uh, cast it was you know 1964 1965 cashing in on sort of Dalek mania they are incredibly non-canonical like the, the Doctor in it is actually called Doctor Who and he's just a man from Earth who's invented a time machine that looks like a police box that's big on the inside. and So it's it's in no way relates to the actual canon of the show. But they were films that were regularly, like, shut, you know, screened on, like, 11.30 on BBC Two on a bank holiday Monday or something. And I had them both taped off the telly and watched them endlessly. So they were pretty much my introduction when I was, like, four or five years old into the world of Doctor Who. So, yeah, a lot of affection for that. A lot of affection for Bernard Cribbins. Um, his, you know, 
need we mention Right Said Fred, yeah. Hole in the Ground, Gossip Calypso, the man was a one-hit novelty hit machine in the early 1960s. Yeah. Amazing man. Anyway, but yeah, so as you say, bit of a bit part here. He's this newspaper vendor, and he, and he kind of just rattles off all of the horrific Christmas yeah. <laughs> goings on of recent past. So, back on the bridge. Frame realises that the captain's magnetised the hull of the Titanic to attract meteors. Yeah. And for seemingly no reason, the Doctor hacks a television. And it, I mean, it's got the guy that owns the cruise company. Yeah. Max. Yeah. What was Max this? Capricorn. That's it, Max Capricorn. <laughs> yeah. There's Which a porn star name, if ever. Yeah, and he is, he is just such, you already see his head. But yeah. he's such a greasy-looking man, isn't he? Yeah. With his, and I love that he's... Like, it's so over the top, because he does a little thing. My name is Max. And, like, does this grin, and you see a gold tooth, tooth that actually thing. goes... Bing! Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. the Doctor hacks <laughs> that TV. Yeah. And somehow discovers that the shields are down for the ship. Yeah. The captain, back on the bridge, shoots frame. Yes, because... And before that, I think you get that moment. Like, I... Where he's sort of staring grimly because, like, the frame's like, "What's going on here? Why?" You know, it's almost like he's sabotaging. I mean, obviously he is, um, and he he doesn't direct the captain doesn't directly answer, but what he says is, "They promised me old men, you know, yeah. old sea dogs who'd had their time, not boys." And so, like, you can tell that he is like devastated that this poor young lad's got caught up in this. Yeah. Um. So, but, but basically. Are we jumping? Am I jumping the gun I, here? I think he says as well at this point that yeah. he'd been promised money. Exactly. For his family. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, that's why he's doing this because yeah. um, he doesn't. He knew. He knows that he's only got six months left to live himself. So he just. This was an opportunity for him to make some bank to pass on to his family. So. So, for hacking the system, the doctor's also taken prisoner, and for raising the alarm. Yeah. But. At the same time, someone just notices a rock flying through the window. Yes, yeah. It's uh, oh, it's specifically. I think the guy who does it is um, Rixton Slade. Yeah, who is this sort of another yuck. villainous name? Like, yeah, the names are pretty ridiculous. This I way. quite enjoy them because uh, Russell Davis likes inventing like stupid sounding alien words and stuff. Mm. So, and with the all these characters, they look human, but they are all aliens from the planet Stowe. So. It's an opportunity for him to have a bit of fun with that. But yeah, so Rickson Slade is what is this like yuppie type character. We've seen him previously. He's already given a bit of verbal abuse to Astrid. We've seen him yeah. sort of strutting around the, 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 the lounge area, yakking on about selling shares. And... Now, weirdly, he's another actor I recognise. Yeah. Because he was in Coronation Street. I feel like oh, I only noticed Coronation Street actors. I think he played a character called Tony Gordon. Shall I tell you what I... I always have to do a double take when I watch this episode because for a second, every time, I think it's the guy from My Parents Are Aliens. And then it's not. Um, I forget his name. He was also played a character in a few episodes of The Thick of It. It's like a jobbing comic actor, but I've like seen in different stuff. And uh, I wish I could remember his name now. But anyway, but yeah, I always think it's that guy. And then I, oh no, hang on, it's not that guy. (laughs) So Meteor strikes the Titanic. Yeah. The man opens the door and he gets sucked into space. I think he says something like, oh, I'm just going to go see what's going on. Opens the door. It's just the void of space. Yeah. He gets sucked out. Yeah. Uh, and in the void of space, we see the TARDIS. 
just floating down to her. Yeah. Quite sad. Yeah. But, you know, but the Doctor says, oh, it will lock on to the nearest body of gravity, in this case Earth. For some reason, that specifically means London. Yeah. It it always means I did London. think that at the time. Yeah. He could be walking the Earth for years looking for that. Nah, it's just in London. It's just in London. <laughs> anyway. And if he gets a bus past to Cardiff, he'll find it either way. Won't yeah. He? Right. So, after that, all the hosts are now programmed to kill. Yeah. Uh, I don't really get it, because they're like... They look like angels. Yeah. But their weapon seems to be their halo. Yes. But you never actually see them use it. It's just you threatened. do a bit. What do they do with it? They fling them at people. Yeah, like but... big deadly frisbees. Yeah. But like, what harm are they going to do? They're not razor sharp. Well, they might be. You don't know. Well, who makes a friendly robot that's got a razor sharp halo? Someone who knows that they want them to become murder bots when the time is right. But surely at some point the health and safety person on this ship would say they're a bit sharp, but if the if it's the 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 head honcho insisting, it's too convenient. Anyway, too convenient. <laughs> okay, right. The doctor speaks to Frame yeah. up on the bridge and says the ship's got a nuclear engine. If it crashes into Earth, it's going to wipe out all life. Yeah. Um, and at this point, because everyone's worried they're going to die, we get some like confession moments from people on the ship. Oh, yes, yeah. We haven't mentioned... who. So, basically, we've kind of got our core group of survivors at this point, haven't we? So, we've, yeah. got, we've got Astrid, we've got Rixton Slade, we've got the Van Hoffs, we've got um, the the tour guide, historian, chap, Mr. Copper. Mr. Copper. Played by... Uh, I don't know the actor's name, but he was Richard in Keeping Up Appearances. He, he was. Clive Swift. Yeah. Yeah. Richard Bucket. Yes. Or Bouquet, depending. Indeed. Can, uh, it's weird. Like, I remember I used to love keeping up appearances. Me too. It's so uh, bad, though. <laughs> like, it's so bad. Like, it's you, the basic premise isn't something that should have appealed to me as a young boy. But I remember thinking, this this is good. This is just comedy gold, yeah. I don't know what it was. I, I think it was just because we were at that age where we would lap up anything. Like, I remember being young thinking One Foot in the Grave was really funny. But that was just an old man waiting to die. To be fair, one foot in the grave holds up. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm not it saying it wasn't funny. Up. Yeah. Um, but but like, as an eight-year-old boy, yeah. like I can vividly remember being young. And there's an episode of One Foot in the Grave where I think they're in a traffic jam. And yes, it's like a yeah. really famous it's episode. like a bottle episode. Yeah. yeah just... I remember. I can remember loving that yeah. as a child. I think the thing is, part of it is, like, watching those... I mean, I, I wouldn't call One Foot in the Grave tame necessarily, but certainly Keeping Up Appearances like a bit of a tame sitcom. But it's aimed at grown-ups. What, what's so, your favourite tame sitcom? Like The British Empire? I did enjoy The British Empire when I was a kid. I mean... Would Faulty Towers count? Because yeah, if it, put that up there. Yeah, definitely, because I've got so many happy memories of watching that. I might go Dad's Army. Oh, you, you cannot go wrong with Dad's Army. Yeah. But yeah, there is something about those kinds of sitcoms. Hello, Hello was another one where you just, because they were full grown ups, but for whatever reason, your parents couldn't be asked keeping them like, like away from you because they're like, oh, wait, I remember doing A level media and studying open all hours. Oh, right. I said, why? Yeah, I mean, it's all right, but, but 
I would thought if, if you're going to go anything from the Ronnie Barker par- um, uh, canon, then Porridge is a more interesting one. To yeah, Porridge is a good to. one. Yeah, yeah. There's some cracking old sitcoms out there, but I is mean, Only he... Fools and Horses the best one? I'm not a big fan of it. I went through a phase where it was on like UK Gold before I went to school and I watched it every day. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. It's all right, but it doesn't. I don't know. I go, I go for pretty much any of the other ones we mentioned over Only Falls and Horses. But what about The Good Life? I love The Good Life from The Man and Born. (laughs) Not so much. Ain't half hot, mum. Better. Less said about that one, the better, I think. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Keeping Up With Appearances is not a good sitcom at no. all. It does not hold up one we iota. way, way off topic there, didn't we? <laughs> we did. Anyway, so yeah, Clive Swift is in this. Yeah. yeah. Moving on. He does a good job as well. He does, yeah. Say. yeah. Um, so. so his confession is that he's not a real professor of earthology. Or, yeah. Sorry, earthonomics, sorry. Um, as evidenced by the fact that literally every single fact he says about Earth is wrong. Yes. Like, he calls America Hamerica. Yes, yeah. It's it's broad humour, but it's quite fun, I think, where he's just talking about, like, how um, Christmas is like a festival of violence. Yeah. <laughs> where we, uh, when the UK invades uh, Turkey. Yes, yeah, and then we eat the Turkish people. But, yeah. And Mrs. Van Hoff admits that she called 5,000 times to enter the competition, so she's yeah. 5,000 credits in debt. Yeah. And uh, she said might as well have just paid for the tickets for the yeah. amount of its cost them. Which is, I think, is actually a, a, a nice little bit of tragicomic uh, character detail, yeah. isn't it? You, I feel like for, for such characters you spend such a brief amount of time with, that's the moment that you, you understand who she is as a character. And also his response to that, where it's one of like loving exasperation. Yeah. It's like, it's not worth being angry with you. I still love you. You, you, you daft old woman. Why did you do that? Um, but and yeah, we get the revelation as well that Banner Kafalata is a cyborg. Yeah. He's not just a weird little man. Yeah. He's a weird little robot man. But it's obviously, it's a shameful secret because in, in sort of Stowe society, cyborgs are frowned upon mm. for some reason. So following that, the doctor then hacks one of the hosts yeah, and realises it's being controlled from deck 31. So their mission then becomes, let's get to it's deck 31. Yeah. We can solve what's happening. Yeah. In order to get to deck 31, they have to cross a gap on a narrow beam. Yes, they do. Yeah, and it's like a big fiery chasm below, effectively. Yeah. It's a bit bit sad when Marvin falls in, isn't it? It is. It is. Did you see that coming? One of them was going to go. Yeah. Um, I wasn't sure it was going to be him, though. Yeah. Uh, but Rixton Slade gets over. Yeah. And he's absolutely awful to Foon, who is Marvin's wife, Mrs. Yeah. Van Hoff. Yeah. Just recently bereaved. <laughs> yeah. You know, in, in, in literally the worst situation in her life. And before her husband dies, I, and then it's just double worse. I don't want to get ahead yeah. of ourselves, but at the end of the episode, considering how awful he is, yeah. like, when they're celebrating the fact they've survived, why does no one just punch him in the ribs? 
You, you really need it, don't you? Yeah. You just don't get it. But, yeah. Anyway, we'll get there. We'll right. Get there. So, they get across this bridge. Well. Or they try to, but yeah. then it turns out the host can fly. Yeah. It's just like when we found out that Daleks can fly. Uh-huh. Uh, so, they fly around the narrow bridge, and Banakafala just kills them all. EMP. But he just takes them out. Dies himself. Yeah. So he's basically he's just sort of like using his, I don't know, cyborg heart effectively to kind of blast them and, and disrupt their electronics. Um, yeah. So the doctor again hacks one of the hosts, and they say they're going to kill everybody so there's no witnesses. Yeah. Um, and then just to kill the the host, <laughs> Finn just kills herself, puts yeah. a rope round it, and chucks herself off. Yeah. I mean, she was already basically like she didn't know what to live for, having lost her husband. So yeah, so in very quick succession, we've lost the three best characters, yeah, uh, supporting characters in this uh, story. And at which point you get the Doctor, he does his sort of grim-faced staring into the middle distance and just says, "No more." Yeah, yeah, you know things are going to take a turn. Yeah. Uh, so Astrid asks to go with the Doctor, and he says yes, and they have a little kiss. Oh, yeah. Just, you know, what we wanted after we've said, please don't do any more romance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, the Doctor tells the host that he's a stowaway, mm-hmm. so he needs to be taken to the nearest authority figure, mm-hmm. which is obviously on level 31. So, yes. we haven't really mm-hmm. discussed it, but on all the maps, level 31 is like blacked out. Yeah. There's clearly something there, but nobody knows what it is. Yeah. So Astrid contacts Frame and says to power a teleport to take her to deck 31 as well. Yeah, because she wanted to go with the Doctor. The Doctor wouldn't let her. He was like, no, you're not going in harm's way. So she's using one of the teleport vans that you use to get from the Titanic to Earth when you go on shore. They can also work within the uh, thing. Now, I was... Surprised by the revelation of what was on deck thirty one. Were you? Yeah. Oh, you genuinely didn't see it coming. Yeah. I thought we were gonna see I don't know, some villain we'd seen before. Slithine, maybe. Yeah. And, you like... know, maybe those bottom feeder robots that turn up every year at Christmas. Yeah. Because we've got robots. Oh that's here. true, yeah. Maybe it's um, the Sycorax again. Who but knows? It turns out it's just Max Capricorn. Yeah. Who Although he's like in the episode, he just isn't. But then he is, and yeah. he's like the main important person in the. Yeah, episode. so like you, you know, you're being teased with the villain, but the, and like you see, you think back to to the sort of. I can, I guess, you can understand how you might think that the the little clip of Max Capricorn being like, you know, Max Capricorn cruise liners, the fastest, the best, and, and you think like, oh, what an oily prick, but you just think that maybe it's just a bit of cartoony fun. But yeah, no, he is. I mean, and the thing is, he is not. That is not an act. Apparently, that is genuinely what he is like all the time. But um, is his plot more convoluted than Lady Cassandra's? It's on a par, at least. Isn't so, it? because his company was failing. Yes, the board voted him out. Yeah. So his goal is to destroy the Titanic. Wipe out life on Earth yeah. as a bad PR stunt for the company. Yeah. So the so board members will lose go, their money. And we'll go we'll get thrown in jail. 
So it's yes, re- it's sorry. revenge basically. It's revenge wrapped up in a retirement plan. Yeah, for him as an individual, so he he can get away stock um, with um, you know his millions before the company completely goes under. Um, yeah, he can get revenge on the board for voting him out, and he'll you know never face the consequences. But he's when, obviously he's willing to, to murder millions in the process. And when we've said that they discover Max Capricorn, yeah. We need to discuss the character. Design. Oh, we do, we do. Yes. So He's so far, we've seen bulldozer his head. with a head on it. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Well, I mean, you say bulldozer. I'd say more akin to like a filing cabinet on wheels <laughs> with a head stuck on the top. Yeah, pretty much. So obviously, his body has failed him. I imagine. Yes. Yeah. So he's, he's kept, a cyborg kept alive yeah. by life support. Yeah. But the box. That is now his body. Yeah. It's like the size of a small sofa. Yeah. And it's, it gives off little puffs of smoke. Yeah. Uh, all, all the time. It's, uh, it's an interesting design, isn't it? How far do you think he'd get on Robot Wars? Second round. Really? Yeah. Because, I mean, in the first round, there's it's usually like the ones where it's just like a remote control car with some papier mache over the top. Yeah. Um, so I think he'd do better than that. Especially if he's got some kind of weapon, uh, but or if he tell you what, no, because against he's got, some, he's got some pushing power. So first round, he'd get his opponent in the pit. Right. Okay. Definitely, because he's got the just he's got shoving the power. But then we didn't see because he didn't manage to defend himself, so he's got no weapons. So that would be his undoing. He'd go yeah. up against someone like Hitler Disc, and they'll just tear him to shreds. I think House Robots. Yeah. Matilda, Sergeant Bash. And then when he's on the ropes, Kill a Lot comes in. Oh yeah, no hope. Kill a Lot gets him on his lance in yeah. the pit. Done. Fucking love Robot Wars. We, we, we should do, should, we should do a Robot Wars podcast. I was going to say we should have done that instead of this. Should yeah. <laughs> this is a waste of our time. <laughs> right. So as a little robot man, he's able to remotely shut down the engines. So uh, the Titanic is now just on a collision course. Yeah. Um, so it's in bits and it's falling to earth. Yeah. So Astrid uses forklift truck to push against Max Capricorn. Yeah. It's is... a little bit like the bit from Aliens where Ripley's in the big loader suit yeah. fighting the Queen Alien, except it's just a forklift truck <laughs> yeah. pushing a box. It's not quite as powerful, is it? And I will say, I don't think the editing in this sequence does it any favours. Like the crash zoom into Astrid. On a forklift truck, it just, it just doesn't. It, they think it has impact, and it doesn't have it. <laughs> does it? But like, whilst they're pushing against each other, Max cuts the brake line. Yeah, I, I think maybe a host does it. Yeah, distance. Yeah, something like that. We don't really see. And but Astrid pushes Max over the edge, but she herself yeah, falls off. They go tumbling in together. And you just get close up of the doctor screaming, no. And it's just like, I mean, he cares, but honestly. Does he? Well, I, I mean, I don't. I just, I really, I, I may, I, maybe I'm being too harsh on Astrid as a, as a sort of temporary companion. I think it's always hard when you're just coming in for one episode. Like, like you know, Donna was in the, in the last mm. Christmas special. But I don't know. I, Astrid or Donna, who would you rather have as a companion? Donna. Yeah. 
Like, it's no contest, is it? She was annoying, but she was supposed to be. Yeah. And that was, like, yeah. her charm. Yeah. Whereas Astrid isn't supposed to be annoying, but she's not terribly well portrayed. She's, she's just nothing, isn't she? She's just yeah. a bit of a nothing character, unfortunately. Yeah. But, yeah. I feel like they basically had the idea, oh, what if we got Kylie Minogue? And then gave it no further thought. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, once all this is calmed down, the Doctor gets the hosts to fly into the bridge. He's now the authority figure on board. Yeah. And it's like a weird, religious, yeah. symbolic... I think this is maybe peak Doctor as Messiah. Yeah. Moment. There's like a light from the heavens shining yeah. on him. And, and I, I'm pretty sure we've got some like angelic choral stuff on the, on the soundtrack. And it's it's a bit much, isn't it? Especially given that he's just watched all these people. It's not even like he's... He's not really saved that many people, even. So this is not exactly the Doctor at his most, like, powerful and... Because mm. he's mostly just watched people die and feel sad about it. Yeah. Anyway. So, once he gets to the bridge... The Titanic's going to crash into London, uh -huh. specifically Buckingham Palace. Uh, we get a funny little scene of the Queen. That like, is the aforementioned crowbar moment for me. Like I would, I, it just makes me want to crawl under a rock and die when I see that. It's oh, but especially the, as I'm sorry, but this always this is always like breaking canon, right? Such as as much as I do, it has canon where the Queen is sort of waiting. We, have we got to the? Are we, we're talking about the moment now where we're like the doctor just manages to to to, to pull the yeah so the, Titanic the, the up energy from, from re-entry yeah, yeah into the Earth's atmosphere has refired the engines so he manages to pull it up and away so it's a narrow miss on Buckingham Palace and the Queen is stood atop of Buckingham Palace Palace waving and you hear overdubbed and it's obviously overdubbed uh, some impression is going hey thank you doctor thank you and it's like sorry. How the fuck does the Queen know that it was a Doctor? Also, why does the Queen even know the Doctor exists? What What well, is not being discussed we, here? We haven't got closure on it, but from yeah. the Shakespeare Code... Well, we know, end, Qu Queen we, the we know that the Royal Family are aware of the Doctor. Yeah, but... I mean... I mean that's a, a, there is a lot of... There's a bit in Two as well as oh, I guess Queen Victoria. I guess maybe the royal family is aware of the Doctor. Okay, yeah. I will let. But they're all secretly that. werewolves, aren't they? Potentially. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> what a bullshit plot thread. Actually, that... <laughs> oh, hold no. on a second. Oh, that no. is the worst part of last series, where the end of the Shakespeare Code. Yeah. Where he's getting hunted down because right at some point in time he's made an enemy of, of... Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. First. Yeah. But. It's never addressed. I can't no. believe I forgot that. I thought <laughs> next episode that's what they'd be doing. I'm so, I'm sorry, Matt. You're not you're not getting closure on that anytime soon. And what were they doing at the end of Blink? <laughs> <laughs> Just having another adventure. Rubbish. <laughs> anyway, right. Once the Titanic's yeah. sorted again, the Doctor decides there's a way to bring Astrid back. But it fails. She's like a weird space ghost now. Yeah. yeah. So the doctor says, You wanted to see the stars, now you'll fly. Oh, I fucking hate this scene. 
Yeah, it's just, it lays it on so thick and it's so unnecessary because, like, if it was a companion that we'd had for, like, a whole series or two and we could be invested in, it would be a beautiful ending for that character. It yeah. would. But we haven't, we've had nothing from Astrid. She sort of flits about a bit. She gets a bit starry-eyed over the Doctor, then she dies. She, and I, I'm sorry, she, she drives a forklift cr- truck. Into a chasm and dies. Have you ever That's driven not... a forklift truck? I can't say that I have. No, I once drove one when I was working at B and Q, and I needed to move some stuff. Yeah, there was a forklift truck in the way, and for about three seconds, I reversed a forklift truck, and it was the biggest bollocking that I've ever had Ooh. in any job because I wasn't you appropriately licensed. licensed. I didn't even yeah. have a driving license at the time. Yeah. Just literally jumped in. You dicing with death. Yeah. As we can see, you know. Thankfully, my if, manager at the time is like one of my yeah. closest lifelong friends. And he was just like, I should sack you for this if you ever do that again. Like, Whoa, that's that's severe. Yeah. I mean, it just makes you think, if if Astrid had got her forklift license before... Yeah, I wonder how she knew how to drive a forklift. I don't know, maybe it's maybe a standard training for all Max Capricorn stuff. Yeah, that's true. In which case, you know, he was hoisted by his own batard, wasn't he? Yeah, live by the sword, die by the sword. <laughs> or live by the forklift <laughs> truck. <Yeah. laughs> anyway. So, yeah, she's a weird space ghost. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. No, Doctor and, kisses her again. And we as the audience do not give any shits. Yeah. So, this is where the Titanic saved and Rixton slayed. Is like, ha ha, my stocks are worth millions. Yeah. I'm the world's richest man. Yeah, and you just want to slap him. Yeah, he should have opened a door to go into the next room and got sucked <laughs> into the void of space. But, but you know, anyway, that's it, not the doctor. The doctor teleports back down to Earth because Mr. Copper, he's been exposed as a fraud. Yeah. He has no future working on he's, the Yeah, he, he's going to, he says he'll be facing 10 years in jail. Yeah. For fraud. So. so the Doctor teleports down to Earth with Mr. Copper. Yeah. In my notes, I've just put, he's a good egg, really. Yeah. I wanted Mr. Copper to be the new companion. That would be quite nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. That is the companion I wanted. Last yeah. lesson, without knowing I wanted uh, it. Nice old, older man. You know, a bit of a different dynamic. Yeah. But, um, no. But he gets a happy ending, at least. Yeah, because he's on Earth. And when they came down on shore leave, yeah. he had a credit card where they could spend his money. Yeah. And he didn't have any concept of Earth money, so he just said, oh, I've got a credit card, but it's only got £1 million on it. <laughs> so the Doctor explains he's rich, Yeah. Um, and Mr. Copper's going to enjoy Earth the way yeah. he's always wanted to. Yeah. And it, at this point as well, they say, like, oh, the snow's not real. It's yeah. just, like, ash from the Titanic yeah, yeah, blowing yeah, up. Yeah. And, like... Don't, doesn't is it the doctor at one point? He's just like one, just once. The snow will be real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you think it will? Do you think we'll ever get proper snow on a Doctor Who Christmas special? Oh no, I'd hope so. It'd be I'd nice, so. wouldn't it? Um, and that's the end. The TARDIS disappears. Yeah. So still no new companion. No, we haven't got a clue who is going to be going into. Well, I mean, I'd know who it is going to be going into. See if you've got no idea. No yeah. idea. Well. Um, next episode, we will be discussing the first proper episode of Series 4, Partners in Crime. But we're also, a little surprise yeah. for you, David, Ooh. we're going to wrap up Season 3 proper. 
Okay. Because there's something I was aware of. Yeah. Um, that I wanted to do before season three. Okay. So in the past, whenever I've done a little treat, it's not always worked. I'm yeah. Thinking, I'm thinking the choose your own adventure, Doctor Who. Yeah, that didn't quite pan out, did it? Now, are you aware that there was a Doctor Who PlayStation Two game released? Oh God, was there? Yeah. Set season three, uh-huh. the Doctor and Martha. Oh my God. Okay. It's on order from eBay. Three pounds. <laughs> Okay, so as a little treat, I only thought of it after we'd done the series oh, wrap-up, but just to tie up season three, we're right. going to be playing the Doctor Who PlayStation 2 game. Now, I'm not going to spoil it for you, uh-huh. what sort of game it is, Okay. and I really hope you don't research it. I won't, I will not uh, look into okay. it at all. But there's a little treat coming, a little Ooh. teaser. Okay, well, I look forward to that, um, I mean... I look forward to that in inverted commas. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and join us for that and for Partners in Crime. Look forward to it. Yeah. All right, until then, cheerio. Bye now. to contact us our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on twitter we are at timenorspacepod and thank you to alexander urban for his smashing arrangement of the doctor who theme